coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I was listening to your show a couple months ago on the podcast, and uh, I heard a couple qualities of the jerk husband, and a few of them rang the court with me and uh, need some help, man. Bro, that's a big step for you to say, hey, that's me, and I don't want to be like this anymore. Good for you, man. You got my, you got my mad respect on that, man. What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, a show about your marriage, whoever it is you're trying to date, your kids, being a good dad, being a good mom, your mental, emotional health, whatever you got going on in your life. On this show, uh, we take calls from people all over planet Earth who are trying to figure out what's going on in their life, how they can get out of a messy situation, what they can do next to better love their families, um, to be better husbands, to be better wives, whatever you got going on in your life. This show is about real people going through real stuff. If you want to be on, I'd love to have you on. Give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. one or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. And um, it makes all the difference in the world when you hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. If you hit the subscribe button, wherever it is you consume podcasts, um, it's just been astounding to me, the growth this last year in the show. People are coming from all over the place. I'm so grateful to have everybody here. Um, and if you'll hit that subscribe button, it makes all the difference in the world. It dumps the show into the algorithms, and it puts it in front of other people who are just simply at the end of the rope. And they reach for a computer or for their phone, and they just type in, how do I be a better dad? How do I be a better husband? Or what happened with my, what's happening with me and my wife? And then this show gets dropped into their algorithm. Because you hit subscribe, something that simple and cost anything, didn't take much time. So thank you so, so much for doing that. All right, let's reach out to Todd in Salt Lake City. What's up, Todd? Not much. How are you? We're partying, dude. What's up? I'm just working. Um, Okay, my question. I was listening to your show a couple months ago on the podcast, and uh, I heard a couple qualities of the jerk husband, and a few of them rang the cord with me and... uh, Need some help, man. I I almost think you almost you instantly opt out of jerk. Well, I won't say you automatically opt out, but bro, that's a big step for you to say, "Hey, that's me," and I don't want to be like this anymore. Good for you, man. You got my you got my mad respect on that, man. So, uh, what are you working through? Um, you know, I just one of the characteristics that stood out, and I've told my wife that she takes the victimhood route sometimes, and so that definitely strung a chord. Just a lot of distance between us more often than not. And it's me. Um, I'm guarded. I have my barriers up and just can't quite figure out why. Good. What's, uh, I mean, dude, that's, you were at the starting line, man. Congratulations. Um, how long have you been married? 18 years. 18 years. You got kids? Four kids. Tell me about your wife. Um, she's. You know, good mom, good wife. She just uh, she's been primarily a stay-at-home wife for a long time. Um, just kind of getting back into the the working world, and um, so she's taking that on. And how long have you uh, how long have you protected yourself from her? A long time, dude. Probably like I would say ten years, twelve years. What kicked that off? I think it came off when she like when she found out I was watching pornography back a long time ago and the way she reacted to that and the lot of ter- the emotional turmoil and things that happened. 
um, with that. Okay. A lot of shame, embarrassment, you know, she felt inadequate, all those things. And then you ended up with a lot of shame and embarrassment and you felt inadequate. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just 100%. built your own house on either side of the, of the river there, huh? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, what was, um, I'm from, a, a, I guess you'd call it a new camp, if you will, um, where I'll call them vices for lack of better terms, just the easiest way to, to describe them. But things that we do um, that we know in the long term aren't good for us, they're going to kill us in some shape, form, or fashion. But in the short term work, they help. And um, yeah. it might sound crazy, but I classify pornography in that in that boat. It works in the yeah. very, very short term. And then it kind of destroys everything over time. Um, what was pornography getting you at the time? Because my, here's my guess is. My guess mm-hmm. is it got called out with that one particular thing. But my guess is the separation was way before that even. Yeah, you're right, probably. Um, I would say, like, what did it get me? It got me, like, decompression, okay. right? Like, stress release. I was going through school at the time. Um, pretty newly married, um, a kid on the way. Uh, so there was a lot going on and, you know, traditionally I didn't think of myself as a smart person. So school's always been a challenge for me. So there's just a lot of stress and it was kind of a high stakes program. So a lot of stress and anxiety. And it's something I've been doing since I was young to, to kind of deal with emotional stuff. Sure. I, I want to go beneath the uh, stress and anxiety though. Cause it does like, you know, pornography, alcohol, like, all that stuff, dr- like certain drugs, they, they work as a Xanax, right? Actually Xanax yeah. works as a Xanax, right? It works. But mm-hmm. you said something underneath that. That's really important. Um, you were in a very tough academic program and you've never been a smart guy. Insert yeah. story here. Mm-hmm. You're a guy who works really hard and you like to have answers for your friends. And now you got a kid on the way. You, I'm going to, I love this woman. I love my girlfriend. We're going to have this fun marriage. We're going to have sex all the time. Now you're about to be a dad and you've never been married to a pregnant woman. I don't know how to do this either. And so there's that less than, less than, less than shame. I should know. And I don't know. And I don't know. And I don't know. And I'm just going to go to this one. And I love how you said it. Stress release. Because most people think they go to it for X or for Y or for Z. Many, many millions of people go to it as a way to distract themselves from a life they don't like, mm-hmm. or a life that it, here's a better. I don't know how to do. Yeah. Um. So then you foster that, and you just pour gasoline on it for ten years or twenty years, right? And now you're here, almost on, knock on the door, yeah. two decades of being married. Mm-hmm. And is that phrase? Uh, you sit by each other on the couch. You're six inches apart, but six thousand miles away from each other. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to you want to make your way back, or is yeah. this is this when you call it? Because a lot of people get this far and they're like, "Dude, we had a good run. We raised good kids. We we held together a good household. For the back half of our life, let's split up and let's ride or die with somebody that's just going to be wheels off." No, nah, man, it's worth working back to you. Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. So um, we don't have a ton of time together. I'd love, man, I'd love to just, uh, talk to you and your wife sometime. What can I help you with today? What are you thinking about that you want to work through that you want to think about doing differently? Uh, I just, I want to work my way back or just learn how to lower my walls, you know, mm-hmm. um, get those defensive defenses down that are primarily on my side of the, the river, so to speak. Okay. So I think there's two things to play at play here. Number one, okay. y'all both 
Y'all can't move into one another's house on either side of the river. Mm-hmm. Y'all have to both leave the house you're in and decide okay. together we're going to build a new one. Imagine that. Okay. okay. So you have to think of it this way. The marriage up until now, 18 years, has gotten you here. We're mm-hmm. going to decide to build a new marriage. And in this new marriage, I am going to be this. This is what I need in this, in this new marriage season. And I want you to not think, because I can hear it in your voice, bro. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, your body has a very keen understanding of what happens when you get embarrassed in front of your wife. Uh-huh. She nukes you. And your body yeah. knows, okay, cool. We hide. That's where we go. Mm-hmm. and your body got a bunch of uh, cinder blocks, started building some walls, and that way nobody's getting inside the inner tot. And it actually it keeps the peace, right? Yeah. It also keeps all the good stuff out, too. Yeah. Right? And so the only way through it, I wish there was another way, bro, the only way through it is to bite down on your mouthpiece and head directly through it. And that's to sit down yeah. with your wife and say, um... <sighs> In, a, in an effort to protect myself from getting embarrassed or feeling ashamed, I walled off and I forced you to chase me and live off gulps of air for the last 20 years. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I want to be fully present with you. And I want to be vulnerable. I want us to be open. I want to build a new kind of marriage. And I don't know how to do that. And by the way, it's going to feel weird as all crap to her too. <laughs> She intellectually, she wants something different. She's been trying to get it for so long, but often when somebody just starts being vulnerable, their partner melts. Yeah. Like just suck it up. I mean, they start saying crazy stuff and like, I've been asking for this for two or 20 years and I can't get it. Right. Um, give me one behavior you want to change. Gosh. Um, let me, no, let me ask you this before, before that, are you, what what are you using now to relieve stress? Still pornography from time to time, okay. but getting a, a handle on it because I'm I basically rebuilt my life in the last two years. On my, you know, just working on myself, doing some leadership stuff, and you know, just bettering myself. And I think I'm better to be able to go back in and help repair my marriage. Can I tell you something really hard? Yeah, this is going to go against all the bro science that we know. If you are married, you cannot work on yourself in isolation. Sure. Okay, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good for you, man. You've done a bunch of stuff, but you haven't done the hard stuff. And, and right. you're going to be like, what are you talking about? I started working out. I started listening to Jocko podcast. I started doing all this. Like I started taking supplements. Um, yeah. When you're married, all of your changes impact her because y'all are one. Yeah. Right. It's like the quarterback yep. can't just run out and be like, dude, I'm not running those plays anymore. He's got to tell the team. The team has to work together to run those two plays. Yeah. Because the first few plays, he may actually fool everybody on the field and get some good gains, and then after a while, he's going to get himself killed. Yeah. Because there's nobody blocking yeah, with him. To, yeah, I just didn't know how to bring her in. No, I know? got that. Yeah, it's a skill set. It's a skill set. Mm-hmm. And I think you sit down on, and... uh I recommended this on a couple of shows ago and it sounds strange and it sounds so, dude, I'm going to get so much bloody hell for it on the internets and I just don't care. But there's something about literally taking a knee in front of your wife as though you're proposing to her and holding both of her hands. Mm -hmm. 
and saying I've hidden most of my life from you for 20 years. I'm not cheating on you. I don't have a big addiction. Um, I do struggle with pornography still. I have been trying to get better, and but I've been trying to do it by myself. And you and I breathe the same air. We 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 are we are creating something together, and so I can't move unless you move with me. Yeah. Are you all in? And you have to figure out what that means for y'all. Does that sound mm-hmm. scary? Oh, it scares the crap out of me, man. How I'm come? Freaking out. Is she gonna leave you? Oh, no, I think being vulnerable, like just feeling like. I hate that word, but yeah, being vulnerable. Dude, I, dude, I hate that word. I hate it, man. God, I hate it. I don't know it. what else to call it, but yeah. That's all it is. And part <laughs> of me getting over my hatred of that word is by saying it. Yeah. And all vulnerability means is this. It means that I, you can hurt me with what I'm about to tell you. Yeah. And what I'm about to tell you is I love you, and I want you, I want to be more connected with you, and I don't know how to do that. And you're going to go, and she's going to say, like, I need you to have all the answers. No, I don't know any white that says that. They're like, oh, thank God, right? Um, But then it feels weird coming back. But it sounds like that's the first place to start. And that doesn't mean that you're not tough. That doesn't mean you don't lift weights. That doesn't mean I'm doing something with Jocko in like in two weeks. doesn't mean you don't hang. I love that guy. Uh, You don't not listen to Jocko. That's not what that means. Yeah. It means that every morning you wake up and you say, hey, honey, how can I love you today? I've heard you say that a lot. It makes me cringe inside. <laughs> Why? Okay, tell me that. Because your voice is important because there's a million men who listen yeah. and go, oh, God, okay, whatever. Why does that make you cringe? I, again, it's a place that makes me vulnerable, right? Is it, is it because you're supposed to know? Maybe. Or is it because dude, that's not even my freaking job. I'm not going to love her today. I'm going out to kill something, drag it home, and make the money. Like, what is it? I think it's because I, I don't know how to do it. Okay. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not about, yeah, I'm going to go work today, but um, I don't know how to do it. So maybe I'm afraid of failing on that front again. You know? Damn, Todd. <laughs> dude, that's what I, dude, that's, I mean, that's what I was scared of. Scared yeah. to death. What if my wife says, here's what I need you to love me. I need you to help with bedtime with the kids. And I have to look my wife in the eye and say, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Or my daughter doesn't want me to read her bedtime stories and she will scream and kick and tell me to get out. And I can't handle that. I don't know how to handle that. That was my house. Okay. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to do it. And the, like you, the thing that I love about you is like, what do you do for a living? I'm a nurse. Yeah, dude. How many times have you been put in a situation? You got to figure it out. Cause that cat on that table is about to die. And often that's who you are. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some insider baseball. You'll get this, Todd, but most people listening who are not in the emergency response world won't get this. Um, they train us early on. You always have to bring a calm presence to that kind of situation when someone's going to die because um, you're, you bring in chaos and ah, it just makes everything worse. And they always tell us, at the end of the day, it's their emergency, not yours. So bring your peace yeah. to the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, what I'm going to say is awful, and I know, but it's, it's, it's instructive. If you give it your all with one of your patients and they don't make it, you're devastated and there's grief, but they're the ones who passed away. Yeah. In this situation, 
if you give it your all and something doesn't work, your wife can look at you and say, I don't, I reject that. Yeah. You've hurt me for 20 years. You're using pornography again. I'm out. I'm divorcing you. Just like I told you 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. All that, mm-hmm. that can all happen. That's vulnerability. She could kill you. Mm-hmm. But also in my house, I lead with, I'm scared to say this out loud. My wife says, I hear that. I think that's a good way to start. Yeah. And I think that's how she'll respond. So she will, she will. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm, I, yeah. I can't tell you how proud of you I am. Oh, thank you. What you're embarking on is really, really hard. It's a challenge. Hang on the line here. I'm going to give you a copy of Building a Non-Anxious Life, and um, I'll go ahead and, and drop in the thing. I'll go ahead and drop in Own Your Past, Change Your Future. Building a Non-Anxious Life, I think, is going to give you and your wife a roadmap, an architectural blueprint to build this new house together. And here's what I think is going to be important. You're a nurse. You run hard. You save lives. And you're a father. And you're a husband. You got all of this stuff that's pent up and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and you don't have an off-ramp for it. And what that means is you've built a very anxious world. And then pornography, alcohol, texting that woman back at work, whatever the thing is that gives you that release that, ah, that's what kills you. And so if you build something from the inside out, from the floor up, that is non-anxious in in its structure, then you can go in and do crazy hard jobs like being a nurse, like being a fireman, like being a military person, like being a police officer, like being a teacher, like being an attorney, like being any number of professions, business owner. You can go do really hard things and fight hard, bite down on your mouthpiece and punch and kick hard, but your body never over does it. Doesn't go into anxiousness or panic. Proud of you, my brother. You're on your way. You're on your way. You're asking great, hard questions. Take a knee. Take both your wife's hands and say, I love you. I'm ready to build something new. Are you in? And then hold on tight because she may just blow your mind. We'll be right back. This show is brought to you by Hallow. Almost every day, whether I'm doing my red light therapy, driving to work, listening to the Gregorian chants on the airplane, or just sitting on my front porch, I spend time using Hallow, my go-to app for guided prayer, music, and meditation. And right now, I'm going through a particularly stressful time. I got big deadlines, big speeches coming up in front of thousands of people, end of school and other family transitions, and on and on. And recently, I made a decision amidst all the chaos to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices, and Hallow is leading the way. Hallow is the number one prayer and meditation app in the world. They have 10,000 plus audio guided prayers and meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, daily psalm readings, daily writings, minute meditations, and more. And there are places for people in Hallow who are skeptical and new to this whole faith conversation. And there's places for those who have been swimming in these waters their entire life and who just want to go deeper. And There are stories, audiobooks, and other special things for kids and focuses on mental and emotional health. For listeners of the Dr. John Deloney Show, Hallow will give you three free months. That's all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, lecture series, all of it. Three free months. If you go to hallow.com slash Deloney. That's hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's go out to Vermont and talk to Jen. What's up, Jen? Well, hello. What's up? <laughs> um, I don't know what to lead with. 
How about this? Start singing your favorite song, and I'll rank you one to ten on how good you are. Let's not. (laughs) Awesome. So, hey, no, it's all good. I'm glad that you're here. What's up? Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, Typed up some notes yesterday, and they're nowhere near with me, so that's not even useful. Hey, can you do me a huge favor? uh, your, Your thing's cutting in and out. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Is that better? Keep talking. Okay. So anyway, I don't know if I should lead with thinking back on it. I'm third generation of not good marriage, and I want to stop that so my daughter's got a good chance. Or should I lead with that my husband's grumpiness is kind of becoming his status quo, and when he becomes happy, I don't even know what to do with that. Or should I lead with we've been married 12 years and if we've been physically intimate five times, I'd be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go with option C. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That will get the most YouTube clips. Uh, Actually the uh, clicks, the um, I'm really interested in your second question. Um, let's let's loop back there because I already have a sense, but I'm just guessing. Um, okay. I'm just obviously fishing in the dark, but that's a fascinating question you just asked. Um, so y'all been married 12 years. You've had okay. sex five times, you think? Well, probably. Yes. I mean, I'm not really exaggerating one way or the other with that. <sighs> Why? Listen, counseling 101, never ask why questions. Um, so thankfully, <laughs> we're not doing therapy. Like, why? Like, what, what's happened over a decade that either of y'all have put up with that? Um, oh, my goodness. I don't even, it, um, it depends on who you talk to. I'm only right? talking to Jen. I understand. That's true. Okay. So for me, it was... Um, turned into lack of lack of trust in the fact that lack of support, lack of I don't feel like this is a partnership in any way, shape, or form. Um, I was definitely feeling like a single mom. I was Hold on, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does he want to sleep with you and you just won't? Or has he had no interest in you for twelve years? Well, right now, there's really no interest. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 12 years. He's so mad. Okay. But, um, but there, there was. He had a, like, when y'all got married, most people have, I'm going to say most but people. when we first, first got married, mm-hmm. no, the, I was like, are we going to, like, I believe the technical term is consummate. Uh-huh. And, like, six months into the marriage, we went back to a marriage counselor that we had seen when we were engaged. And my question was, we haven't had sex yet. So I was the one pushing that. <laughs> Jen, I am rarely speechless, and, so, and you just got me. <laughs> you got me. I, it's a little nutty. Wow. I, I mean, I would say nutty, but it, it's very, very, very abnormal. But So my question to you is, six months okay. is a really long time. For some, six hours, six minutes is a really long time. Like, what were the conversations like? Um, they really weren't. 
I'm t- it's it's the weirdest. Yeah. And it's shocking to me because we're both. <laughs> I don't want to. We're both smart people. Has nothing to Neither, do with intelligence. I mean, yeah, has nothing to do with but that. But we have. We're morons when it comes to any of this. Okay. Let's. And and I'll be straight up. Um. Fifteen minutes ago. My husband was just sitting at my desk, just anyway, trying to get a self anyway. And he was at my desk and he saw my day planner open and he was on hold and he goes, Hey, what's that? And I was on hold for you. Uh-huh. And in it, I had written, you know, this appointment in my day planner. I had to. And he's like, what's that? And he goes, you're not doing that, are you? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to. And he's like, what? And I was my whole thing is I'm like, because I'll grasp at straws. I lost what you just said. What'd you say, ma'am? I said, I'll just grasp at anything. Not to like belittle what you do. <laughs> no, no, trust me. It's, it's <laughs> definitely, you were at the, you were scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Here's, um, here's what it feels like. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, it feels like one of a couple of things. There is way, way, way more to this story. And when I say that, I mean like abuse, like some severe trauma responses, some very significant, not emotional distress, but mental health disorders. There's something else going on here. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. Um, and by the way, you and I just are meeting. I'm very, very direct, okay? Because in most of that is because I have I I love you, and most of that is because I've got a very compressed time, right? So it's only, only ten minutes, right? Um, it sounds like for ten or twelve years you've been stepping over thousand dollar checks and hundred dollar bills to pick up pennies. Like we're grasping grasping at straws here, but we haven't sat down and asked our husband like. I want to have sex with you. Can we can we try this? I feel distant from you. Can we plug in? I feel like a single mom. Can we connect here? And instead of entering into that conversation that admittedly may go awful, may end up in us separating. Instead of us, but it may also end up in us fixing everything. Instead of that, we wait six months and then we just call a professional. It's like a tiny little fire getting lit in, in the in the actual fireplace. But we just don't deal with it. We just don't deal with it. And six months later, the whole house is on fire. Now we got to call the fire department. Right. And so I guess circle back. I mean, I can't unwind this in a, in a, in a one small no. segment. How can I help you right now? Like, What are you aiming for? What's your goal here? My goal would be... I really like when you mention to parents where they're like, eh, my relationship with my kid, I don't know. And whatever age, if they're still at home, they're like, get a notebook. Mm-hmm. Have the kid write something, you write something. Have the kid, and I'm like, what a basic, it's basic, that works, that builds. I guess I'm just. You, you, I only tell parents to do that with kids because kids don't have the intellectual plus the emotional ability to articulate in a conversation. Right. Adults should have that. 
And so if you're unable to, if you and your husband are unable to sit across the table and say, dude, we have been living a farce for 12 years. Because you calling and saying, I'm frustrated that my husband's grumpy. <laughs> you know, that's like. That's what we call it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's like your house burning down to the ground and you calling 911 because it's hot outside. That's not the issue here. You saying, hey, I am committed to being the one who breaks the cycle of bad marriages. And out of the gate, six months, and I say intimacy, I'm not talking about intercourse. Intimacy, being able to just talk about it with each other. And so instantly the recipe for a marriage that's dysfunctional or that's not working for either of you that creates a home that's full of tension and chaos repeats itself again. And that's not on you. That's on, that's on the whole system. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Completely. <sighs> I've been working with a killer therapist okay. for mm, nine months now. Okay. Awesome. For me, yes, it was just me one-on-one. Um, from my perspective, I'm radically different. Awesome people that are really close to me, um, some coworkers, they can totally tell the difference. They said, mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, my husband, obviously not really, it, that's not surprising to me because well, y'all are in as, just one change. Yeah. It was Esther Perel tells it. She, y'all are in the dance. Y'all haven't addressed the dance. Right. Like y'all have a rhythm and a routine. In fact, you don't even know what to do with him when he's not grumpy. And so the incentive inside his own home is to be grumpy. It's like, you don't even know what to say to him when he starts speaking to you in Italian. You just want him to speak Spanish because that's the language you know. That's the language your kid knows. That's the language the house dynamic knows. And so even when he peeks his head out and, and there's joy, it's not met with any sort of reciprocal joy. It's met with, who, who is this? And he's like, oh, and he goes back to grump, right? So there's this dynamic set up in your home. Right. And the only way that gets busted is somebody, you've heard me say this, someone's got to turn the lights on, turn the music off, stop dancing. And what does that mean in real life? That's That's a big metaphor. People ask me like, what does that actually mean? That means you getting a babysitter for your child, your kids. And you sitting across the table from your husband and saying, we haven't had sex in 10 years. You don't like being around me and I don't even know how to interact with you when you're grumpy. I want a different kind of marriage. Are you in to build something completely new? Based on grace and forgiveness and trying new things moving forward because what we've been doing does not work. Anything short of that, you're going to go to therapy. You're going to become this amazing new person on the inside. You're going to walk back into your house, right back into the same costume that you always wear until one of you either has the courage to call it or one of the other one does something just so dumb, cheats on somebody, steals something from somebody, does something awful that then everybody can go, look what they did. Um, Or your child starts screaming 
acting out to try to get somebody's attention to say, please, can we cut the tension in this home? Cause I can't breathe. Often the way, I, the way I phrase this is you have to choose your heart. There's not an easy path out of this. Right. It's either going to end in a, in a, in a supernova or it's going to end in a whimper and an ash, or it's going to be something built completely new. And it's going to be amazing. Why are you so avoidant of that conversation? Is he abusing you? No, there's a lot of um, everything is said. You're trying to accuse me of stuff. Here you come. You're blaming me again for everything. You're, it's, it all is, and I'm like, I'm not blaming you. I want to just, can we just have a normal conversation? Can we like actually write things on paper? Can we yeah. together do... I brought some of the suggestions that my therapist has said, some of the things that I've heard on your show. And, um, and it's, it, it turns into basically another argument, another full shutdown. I'll have another like five, six days of no communication. So behavior is a language. What's he telling you? That. I'll give, really just I'll give you his language. He, he does not want to be married to you. That's what his language, that's what his behavior is telling you. Tell me I'm wrong. I love being wrong. I'd like to. But that's been the language since we were dating. Okay. Until you choose to live in that reality, you're going to continue chasing ghosts. And it's going to be exhausting. Here's the other thing. You may be wrong. There's been a couple of times in my marriage over 21 years, 21 and a half years when I my mean, wife... when he's been in his happy mood or we can actually have a conversation, he looks at me and he's even like, you know, for him, shed tears a few times while seeing it. And he says that... He said, I am married to you because for... Any reason, whether it was a good reason or a bad reason, I believe God brought us together, and I believe that I, on purpose, chose you to be my wife. He has said that probably three times, three or four times in the last year and a half. And I'm like, so do I believe that? It doesn't matter what he says. What if I just walk down the street, Jen, announcing to the world how in shape I am? Right. Doesn't matter. <laughs> God wants me to be in shape, and I chose this, Jim. And I just announced that. God called me to be ripped, and I chose this, Jim. Do you ever go in that gym and work out? No. Right. I'm not talking to you for six days for even asking that question, you bastard. Like, what, like, what are you... I don't care what he says. So what's the conversation that I have then? I'll tell you, the, I was, I'll tell you the one I had in my house. I've had it twice. Maybe three yeah. times. Maybe four times. <laughs> Over 21 years. It is two adults sitting across the table. And I think I, or her, I don't remember how I prefaced. I don't like to think of the specifics. But um, we need to have a very direct, grown-up, hard conversation that's going to be very emotional. And I just want us both to prep for it. 
And it goes something like, this marriage as it currently is cannot continue. I do not feel in my body that you want to be married to me anymore. Um, if you do, I've got some real challenges because I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not accepting it. And I'm not being a good partner to you. We got to do something completely new. Are you in? And every time the other person has said, absolutely all in. But somebody has to sit at a grown-up table. And even if you have to call out, every time we have a hard conversation, you don't talk to me for six days. You shut down. You say, oh, what about me? We're not doing any of that today. This is two grown-ups having a grown-up conversation. Are we going to stay married? And here's what you have to have already prepared. I mm -hmm. need moving forward. Not, you haven't done this and you haven't done that. That's not, I cannot work that way. Because if you come at him that way, he has to defend himself. And his defense strategy is to shut down and become a joy vacuum in his own house. Right. right? And so the only way forward is for you to say, I need physical and sexual intimacy in my home. I need to be able to have conversations. Good, bad, scary, vulnerable, hilarious, silly. I got to be able to share my life with my partner. And on whatever the things you need. I don't, and I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for you, but you're going to have to be able to say those things out loud. And this is hard, but I think you'd be very clear. If you get up and walk away from the table, I will understand that you want this marriage to be over. If you don't talk to me for five days after this discussion, I understand you are not interested in, in changing the way this relationship works. If you're going to sit at this table and we're going to, we're going to figure this thing out, then I recognize that you're all in. Going backwards over the last 12 years, my gut tells me if I was talking to him, there'd be enough blame to go around. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe you're protecting him and whatever. Or maybe he's got some major psychological challenges that you have just had to dance around for 12 years. Maybe. Whew. But going back and blaming is not going to help anybody. There's going to be an important forensic accounting of the last 12 years. Hey, this is how you've dealt with conflict. I can't have that moving forward. You got to be present with me. Give me some tools so I can, whenever I need to bring something up to you, it won't, doesn't shut you down. Because just shutting down doesn't solve our problem. We're going to have to put sex on a calendar. We're going to have to put weekly meetings on a calendar. We're going to have to have a budget together. We're going to have to have parenting conversations. We're going to have to be married. I'm sorry, Jen. I wish I had more for you. I wish I could just pass this one and be like, ah, oh, here it is. This one's tough. This one's tough. This one's tough. Somebody's got to flip the lights on. Someone's got to turn the music off and stop the dance and just say, hey, this is the state of our marriage. We're choosing reality. It's the state of our marriage. I'm going forward no more. We got to be different starting now. Are you in? Let me know how it goes, Jen. We'll be thinking about you. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us 
have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's go up to Vancouver and talk to Amanda. What's up, Amanda? Nothing much. How are you? Good. What are you doing? Nothing. Awesome. Is this super weird? You're just having a regular day and then all of a sudden, ah! Yeah, pretty much. Super incredibly <laughs> awkward. So, yeah. Hey, I've been told I am awkward my whole life. So it's all good. Good to meet you. What's up? Um, Basically, I guess sort of my question is, um, every holiday, my mother literally, and my grandmother will literally cry and, um, for literally hours uh, every time I tell them that I won't be attending the family events, uh, including my father's side. Um, I'm half Latin, so that's kind of really um, offensive to them. But there's did you say you're half? Did you say you're half, you're half Latin? Yes. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. Very cultural. Okay. Latin callers calling onto the show, and it's like very cultural. Yeah, um, absolutely. But at the same time, it's just too much. Yes. yes and I it. can't handle going to some of the events um, most of the time anymore. So I just uh, have a hard time every single holiday or birthday or whatever else they think is important, basically. Um, Why? Yeah, I'll just kind of cut to the chase. Is that okay? Because I I totally get this. I'll try to too, but it's very hard. No, I got it. Um, Do you... um... Why do you subject yourself to hours of their tears and wailing and gnashing of teeth? Uh, I guess I just think that, like, I wish I did. I wish I could go, I guess, in a way. And I I feel like uh, I kind of buy into their guilt over it. But at the same time, yeah, I guess I wish what happened didn't happen. And okay. I wish I could go. I want to offer an, yeah. uh, an alternative explanation. Okay. I think you subject yourself to punishment because you feel like you should go and this is what you get for not going. Okay. And I don't, I want you to know you're off the hook for that. What happened okay. in your family you. that makes attending a no-go? <laughs> it's, what's hard is it's not about all my random relatives. It's really between me and uh, one of my siblings, okay. not my only sibling. Um, yeah, basically when I was very young, they told me, uh, her and her husband told me that they didn't want me around because I was kind of like taking up too much of their spotlight um, on both sides of the family. So what? this is something I still deal with today. It's been 13 years and I still, I'm still very old to still be dealing with that, but 
Well, no, that hurts, oh, but um, I mean, that's clearly insane and, and ludicrous. My question to you is, um, what about you is so small that you let them continue to run your life? I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you go and let your Amanda light shine all over the family? And if they want to <laughs> opt out, they're welcome to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I wish I would have done different things when I was way younger when it happened, but, um, yeah, but we're here yeah. now. So why not now? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's just everything that they hear that I do, they go and do, and it just kind of like puts more of a what something in it for me. Like, for I don't understand. Instance, Give like me an example. Like, okay. Yeah, I'll give you an example. So one day, like I decided to go on a hike on a specific mountain, um, it's Vancouver area. So, and then like the next month they went and did the same hike or, uh, one time I got, I had a boyfriend and people really liked him. And then, um, basically I got cheated on with my sibling, um, with that person. Um, your sister went I, and hooked up with I ended them? up buying a farm and then they bought a bigger farm and she bought a bigger, farm, like that kind of thing. So it's just very, you should get yeah. a huge fake face tattoo. <laughs> that would be amazing. If you got like a huge rose on your cheek and been like, what's up? And just see if they actually get into it for real. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or you should just rent yeah, like a, a you should rent a Ferrari and be like, look at my new ride. Yeah. And to see how far they'll take it. Here's the thing. And I say this with all due respect. Uh-huh. Who cares what they do? Okay. Now I'm asking you that. I'm not just saying putting that into yeah. the world. Because when you when you take them out when you take them off the table, you're doing amazing things. You bought a farm. You got a boyfriend. Your sister sucks for cheating on him, Uh, cheating with him on you or whatever. However you say that. Uh huh. But like, okay, you're going out doing life. And maybe you're doing it so well. You're the ultimate family influencer, and they're like, "Yeah, that would be amazing too." Or maybe you just have a sister with a significant uh, psychiatric challenge and it's just, she's going to keep doing what she does. That's her life. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Taking notes. So hopefully that helps. (laughs) But I mean, here's the thing. If your mom and your mom has a picture where all of her daughters all get together perfectly and everybody does everything perfect and everything looks perfect and everything's perfect, right? Yes. Yes. And so anytime there's a fight in the family, it's always, oh my gosh, what about me? And and then mom cries and then you're supposed to all make it better. Your sister's not going to make it better because she's freaking amazing. And so it's your job to make it better. And you just said, forget all this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty much. There's a third option. Mm-hmm. Which is, I love my okay. mom. I love my family. I like the big, messy Latin holiday parties. I've been to a few. I grew up in Texas. They're my favorite on the planet. They're amazing. <laughs> and you know they are. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to let a grumpy, neurotic sister over in the corner keep me from here. Okay. She can go buy when she wants to buy. She can whisper in my ear, you're taking my spotlight. All right, dude. I'm going to continue to laugh and dance and eat and have fun and love my mom. And is my mom a little bit? Yes, she is. Okay. Does my mom cry a lot? Yes, she does. She's my mom. But if you look around, I can hear it in your story. 
so many things about your life brought you joy. One mm -hmm. person squashed a little bit of it and cast a shadow over everything you love and care about. Okay. Is that fair? Tell me I'm wrong. I might be completely wrong. Uh, yeah, that's close enough to it. Yeah, I always try to do something or try to get over something. And yeah, this feels like this is like an overarching storyline that I'm kind of tired of. Um, Your sister's yeah. not going to change, is she? No, no. It's, no. Yeah. Your mom's not going to yeah. change, is she? No, no. Not at all. Okay. So my question for you is, long term, what's going to bring you the most peace and the most joy? Is it staying at home and saying, mom, it's not my job to make you happy. It's not my job to make you fulfilled. And you have this fantasy of all of your daughters getting together. My sister is a train wreck and I'm not doing it anymore. You've picked her over me. Fine. I'm just going to stay at home and have peace in my home here in Vancouver. Or is it kids hop in the wagon? We're going to the grandma's house for the holidays and it is going to be unhinged and we're going to sing we're going to dance we're going to play we're going to have fun and Tia Loka over here in the corner is just going to do her thing uh-huh right yeah okay but you get to pick here, here's what I'm trying to get you to see you're in the driver's seat of your own life okay and you don't have a path forward that doesn't come with some sort of relational discomfort okay there's no there's not an easy path out is that fair Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm writing that down. Okay. And so just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not right. And it might hurt when okay. your older sister or younger sister like tries to photocopy your life or is always one upping you. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's a lot. So I just don't know how to even do boundaries really. But I guess those are two good options and probably. Reality will probably be somewhere in the middle. I'm not sure. It will. It's going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to feel some guilt over the last 13 years. You're going to have to let that go. Okay. Because that's not going to solve you right now. Okay. You're going to have to say, hey, I've made some choices over the last 13 years that have brought me here, kept me safe, kept me sane, helped me raise my family. Here we are. Great. Yeah. I'm making different choices. Life's too short. I'm going to go be with my family over the holidays. And I've got one... Um, sister who's just just gonna do what sister gonna do and okay. i'll minimize my contact there i will minimize my kids contact there but we're family and we're just gonna show up okay and i would i'm a little bit <laughs> i'm the that guy makes, that i picked my sister up that makes sense <laughs> i know i know i know but listen I, know. I picked my sister up at the airport this mm -hmm. year for the holidays with a huge sign that said well thank god my sister's finally gonorrhea free. And my little <laughs> daughter had a sign that said, welcome home from jail. And it was hilarious. And then my sister Thank called you. one of my favorite drummers in all of my life from the band Poison, one of my eighties metal bands and did a cameo. And he called me, sent me a message that said, congratulations on kicking that chlamydia. I mean, that's my brother. That's our sister back and forth. That's us. Okay. It's unhinged, it's weird, it's silly, it's funny. It's just how we interact and also love her to death. And I know she loves me too. Okay. But it comes with some ups and some downs and some sideways. That's just, that's just the nature of it. Okay. But here's what I'm telling you. I want you to feel fully empowered to 
reverse engineer your life. I want my holidays to feel full of laughter and warmth and family. What has to be true for those things to happen? Sometimes for those things to be true, we can't go visit extended family. It's too violent. It's too volatile. We have have people there that make it uncomfortable because they're ugly or they're rude. Sometimes it's, we're going to go do those things and I'm going to set some really firm boundaries about when we go to bed, what kids are going to watch or not eat, or if anyone tells these jokes, we're out. Or sometimes it's really clear boundaries with inside my family. Hey, um, sister so-and-so, aunt so-and-so, she says things that aren't true. She whispers mean things. We're just going to smile and we're going to ignore. We're going to move on because the end result is warmth and connectivity and family. So get with your husband and you all sit down and ask this question. What do we want the holidays to feel like? My guess is based on this call, it's going to include your mom and maybe even your grandma. And that means it's also probably going to include sisters. So what do we got to do? Or if once and for all, I'm not doing it. No more with sister. Okay. It's going to come at the cost. And then I'm going to stop listening to my mom cry for two hours. I'm going to tell my mom, I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to send an email note to everybody. My mom calls sobbing. I will tell her I love her mom. I can't be in the presence of my older sister, and I know that hurts. But I've got to take care of me and my family. I will call you back. And if mom's going to sit there and blame and yell and cry, then I'm going to say, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm going to let you go. And then we'll reconvene. You get back in the driver's seat of your own life. And don't let one naysayer, one one dark soul cast a shadow over your whole life you've got too much to live life's too fun there's too much adventure out there to let one weirdo take it all from you thanks for the call Amanda appreciate you coming in clutch we'll be right back hey what's up Deloney here listen you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, one of my favorite rock and roll metal bands of all time. Slaughter and it's Mark Slaughter is a resident here in town one of my favorite singers ever 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 and somebody who Kelly still may or may not have pictures of him on her screensaver and on her desk might wearing a vest and not a lot else Uh, Kelly loves some Mark Slaughter I do one of the up all night sleep all day flight of the angels my gosh and probably one of the best voices ever ever in that especially in that genre of music we listen to and by far the best smile (laughs) swoon she's being so gross right now like her like her whole body's lit up like a light bulb it's giving me the (laughs) but and he's in town you can kelly can feel his presence when she's driving i know i've actually been to a couple of events that he's been at and um one of the guys that works here greg james has run into him a couple times at like lowe's yeah so, I've been hanging out at Lowe's, but it hadn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. The song's called... <laughs> Ironically, the song's called Desperately, which is uh, an ode to Kelly and her just need to see Mark Slaughter in person. You never say hi. What's on your mind? Oh, she does. Just tell me, honey, lay it on the line. Anytime, night or day, just call me up and I'll be on my way. The clock strikes midnight. I don't know where you are. The clock strikes. Strikes. It's all right. Just tell me, honey. Don't push me too far. Desperately. I gotta know. My name is Kelly. Mark, call me if you love me so. I added that last line. Kelly, uh, I think you and I go get tattoos and... You're going to fit slaughter in. It's going to be amazing. Who says I don't already have it? (laughs) I'll leave you with that (laughs) thought, America. Love you guys. Bye.